0: Seven oh two on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour two of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at eleven seventy Powell Street in Vancouver. Okay, Jason. First, you have to tell the folks about Kintec. Then. You get to tell them about
1: White Spot. Well, I'm gonna start with White Spot because okay. we're giving away what is it, fifty dollar gift certificate for the best what we learned?
0: That is correct. Uh, you have to put in a burger emoji to win the gift card.
1: Well, introducing four new items to their breakfast lineup at White Spot and shredding shredded hash browns are back. Not Both shredding were. hash browns. They have you don't, to, they have to not, shred them to sh- have them shredded. But you don't have to. Shredded no. Hash Browns are back. Enjoy breakfast at White Spot daily until 3 p.m. 3 p.m.? Some late risers can get to uh, White Spot for breakfast. It's pretty
0: sweet. I like that.
1: Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintec Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net.
0: A very, very, very busy weekend in the National Football League. So even though we bid him farewell less than a month ago, we are now rejoined. By Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders, here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Michael. How are you?
2: Happy campering, everybody.
0: Oh yes, here we are. You know, it's funny. Like we we did this with Nick Shook from NFL.com last week. It's like, see you, Nick. We'll talk again in October, and then we called him a week later because there's so many things <laughs> happening.
2: And so now,
0: big news of the weekend: the Chicago Bears trade out of the first overall pick at this year's NFL draft the Carolina Panthers draft in. So both big stories and big developments for both franchises. I guess we should probably start with Carolina because they are now going to have their choice of who they want to be the quarterback of the future. If you had to guess right now, who would that quarterback be, Mike?
2: That quarterback will be Ohio State University's C.J. Stroud. Uh, you know, Word coming out of the combine was that that is who they wanted. Word coming out of people who are pretty connected to the organization is that's who they wanted. And right now the odds that he will be the first quarterback off the board Stroud are minus 300. So that's, what's going to be.
0: Now, the other part of this obviously is that the Chicago bears get a pretty nice return in terms of uh draft pick capital, but they also get DJ Moore, who is the number one wide receiver in Carolina. He goes to Chicago. There's this hilarious stat that we've got in our notes here. Uh, With the amount of receiving yards that Moore has over the last five years, he would Mm -hmm. become the Bears' all-time leader in receiving yards. So there's two (laughs) things here. One, it talks about the type of talent and target that Justin Fields hasn't had over his brief NFL career, but also the fact that the Bears, for all the great players that they've had at all the different positions, they've never really been a team that's had a really, really talented wide receiver, which is crazy given how long they've been around for.
2: Yeah, it's been around 100 years hundred yeah, right. years. You think you'd get one. I forget the wider. He thought like Walter Payton or somebody like that would just have caught screen passes to the point where over a course of like a 12, 15 year hall of fame career, he had more receptions and yards than DJ Moore. but live and learn. I did not know that, but what they needed, what the bears needed was an established receiver. The whole idea this year is Justin Fields has to develop as a passer. We know he's an electrifying runner. He hasn't developed as a passer. He's had no receivers. He's had no offensive line drafting a rookie puts you in a position where it's like, oh, we got a rookie wide receiver, and now Justin Fields has to establish rhythm with this kid. We don't know if this young man is ready for the NFL yet. There might be a learning curve. Then you don't learn about Justin Fields. And maybe you don't learn about the rookie, and you're kind of right back where you started. You add DJ Moore, who you know can catch 80, 90, 100 balls right away out of the gate. Then you have a go-to guy for Justin Fields. You know how you're going to build the offense. And you can really see – in your third season with Fields, what he's got, what he brings to the table, and if he's going to develop into that franchise quarterback.
1: What do you think of Justin Fields so far?
2: I cannot get a read on him as a passer. I will watch games, I'll watch tape after the games, and he will drop back to pass, and all of these guys like Dante Pettis and Chase Claypool and Dallas Jones and Equinemius, they are not open. They are not as in the galaxy of open. You know, they're just getting blanketed, and the defense is playing a specialized defense because they know they can cover everybody one-on-one so they can have like two spies on fields so he doesn't run and it's it's goofy it's 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 not like a, a, an opportunity where you can say oh fields can be a Fields can be B fields can be C it's almost uniquely bad so the fact that he runs unbelievably well that he when he's on the run these guys will get open because the defense starts going crazy and, and guys do their scramble drills those are positives and those are high enough positives to say as bad as the passing looks sometimes you have to keep evaluating this because it was almost Michael Vick-like rushing, and that's worth spending extra time to see what can develop on the passing side of things.
1: Do you think the, te- the, the, the Houston Texans will be fine or even excited about getting Bryce Young?
2: Yeah, I think every, every word coming out of that organization, coming out of the scouting combine uh, a week ago in Indy, they like Bryce Young. Bryce Young is their guy. They're happy there. They're going to have some work to do because you know, Bryce Young's short. He's a short person. And they're going to need an interior line the way, like, Drew Brees used to have, where it was, like, you know, two Pro Bowl guards and a really good center on the interior line. And right now, Texans don't have anything on their interior line. Like, they don't even have guys under contract that, like, have NFL experience. It's pretty bad in there, and the guys they have are not really strong. So they have work to do, but I think they're going to do that work to work around and build around Bryce Young.
1: Uh, The Seahawks are drafting at five, but I'll ask you about the picks before them. Um, So it's Arizona at three. They're not going to take a quarterback. And then it's Indianapolis at four. They're probably going to take a quarterback, right?
2: Yes, yes.
1: So who do you think that will be? If Stroud and Bryce Young are off the board, is there a guy that they're going to feel comfortable taking?
2: The problem here is I don't believe that Will Levis of Kentucky is an NFL starter or high-level NFL starter, let's put it that way. And I don't think Anthony Richardson will be ready in the window that the Colts need him to be ready, particularly at the general manager level. Chris Ballard needs a low-risk choice. Uh, And getting a guy who, you know, they'll have to go get a, a bridge quarterback and start the first eight games or whatever, I don't think they can afford that. So I think it will be Levis, and I think that that's going to be a defining moment for the Colts organization, whether they really got a guy who's worth the third overall pick or whether this is is the problem that kind of sinks this current administration. So we all know the
1: Seahawks need some playmakers, some big-time players on the defensive side of the ball, but I'm just wondering, now that they've signed Geno Smith to a contract extension and he's going to be there Mm -hmm. for the next little while, might they be the perfect team to draft Anthony Richardson and bring him along slowly with a, with an offensive line that also has some good young pieces on it.
2: They might be, they absolutely might be. And again, one other thing they have is another first round pick so they can take that swing, come back later and say, Oh yeah, we can still add a cornerback or add an edge or whatever you want to add with a with later first round pick. So that's definitely a possibility, it's also a possibility that they sit there and, and they they wait for the Washington Commanders to call or the, the Atlanta Falcons to call and see what kind of gonzo haul they could get from those teams. So it's a great position for the Seahawks to be in. If they go with Richardson, I mean that's gonna be a Schneider Cow level decision, then it's justifiable, it makes sense, and it doesn't it doesn't cripple them if it goes wrong. If they say, heck with that, Jalen Carter's still on the board, and you jump on him, you can see that, and that could really help the team. And if they get a gonzo trade, you get a gonzo trade. It's it's really there, – there's almost no way to lose where the Seahawks are right now.
0: We're speaking mm-hmm. to Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders, here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, I don't know why Laddie decided to leave the studio at that particular moment because I need him to play a clip, <laughs> but that's fine. Um, I <laughs> want to talk about the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. because – Over the weekend, Packers president Mark Murphy spoke with the media and it was very interesting. Oh, we've got the clip. Perfect. It's very interesting to hear him talk about Aaron Rodgers almost in the past tense. I want to play a 30 second snippet from this because I might be reading too much into it. I don't think I am, but it sure sounded like they had already come to the understanding that Rodgers was on his way out of Green Bay. But anyway, here is Packers president Mark Murphy on the current situation with Aaron Rodgers.
2: It's kind of that happens in our game. You know, nobody, very few players, play for only one team. Uh, and you know, obviously, Brett had a great career. Aaron had a great career here. And uh, regardless of what happens, you know, Aaron will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He'll be in our Hall of Fame, and we'll bring him back. He retires number. And uh, but this is just one of the things that you go through as a team. And uh, you know, again, we want to try to achieve something that's. Good for both uh, Aaron and us.
0: So I'm not projecting here, right, Mike? This clearly suggests that he's done in Green Bay.
2: Listen to the tone, yeah, with which Murphy is saying, like, "I'm so tired of this. I'm done with this." Yeah, he's awesome. He's wonderful, and that is an "I'm done, 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 done" tone. And yeah, he he mentions him in the past tense, right? The, the logic here is pretty much everyone assumes that either Rogers announces that he is going to the Jets uh, on the Pat McAfee show today, or the Joe Rogan show or whatever he does it on, uh, or that he is retiring, which I think is a much lower option. And Murphy, in other quotes, said, Yeah, I guess he could come back. Like I like said it in this way, like, oh my God, we, we do have to keep that possibility open. But this is an organization that is ready to move on and em- embrace a transition away from Aaron Rodgers. So we're, we're, we're all just waiting. I, I got to tell you right now, I talked to my boss that the Aaron Rodgers traded to Jets um, uh, article has been written for like a week. Mm-hmm. It was written already. Okay? We're just waiting to put it up there with the like particulars and, and I and I bet you there's a hundred places that can say the same thing and we're all just waiting for 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 the Bonnie Prince of Denmark to make his uh make his decision.
1: So, let's say that happens. Jordan Love, who was drafted it seems like 20 years ago now. Is, he's <laughs> yes, he, yes. he's he's the guy then? Or could they go – would they bring in maybe an insurance policy? Like how much does next season matter to the Packers?
2: I think it would be a transition season. I don't think they care about an insurance policy. I think their cap situation, because they're still going to eat a bunch of Rogers bucks, even with the trade, because there's like signing bonuses that are prorated. So they're not going to be in great shape to go out there and get that insurance policy. I think they evaluate Jordan Love that year i mean they drafted him for, uh, first overall they kept them i mean in the first round they've kept him for a couple of years they want to see what he can do they can put him out there with watson put him out there with Dobbs. this would be a transition season for it and again the owner is ready for it i think packers fans are ready for that at this point too it's like oh let's let's have a year where we're talking about rebuilding and we're excited if we win a game 16 to 13 let's do that for a while because everybody's kind of worn out with this aaron Rodgers saga
1: so does the NFC North now belong to the Detroit Lions?
2: Yes. What? Yes. yes. The, the the Vikings are purging. The Vikings uh, got rid of Adam Thielen, the Darius Jones once out. Eric Kendricks is gone. They are they are cutting salary aggressively because uh, their ownership and their their general manager realized this last year was goofy. It was a goofy year. It's not sustainable. They are cutting salary. The Packers are transitioning. The Bears are rebuilding, starting over to 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 a degree. This belongs to the Detroit Lions who can add two first-round picks in the upcoming draft, in addition to whoever they might sign over the next couple of days.
1: How do you think the Jets will look if Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback?
2: (laughs) I don't know how to answer that. uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to tell them how to look. Their offensive line is not in ideal shape. Um, Their defense has some very good pieces but kind of had a lights out year where if you look at it statistically using football outsiders metrics, they'll probably slide back a little bit on defense. This is a team that I think gets Aaron Rodgers and kind of comes in still as certainly second in the AFC East, maybe third in the AFC East, as we saw the, the Dolphins just uh, added a piece there along the way. So this is a very strange fit for the Jets where they're, putting an awful lot of eggs in the basket of saying, yeah, here we come. We're going to be the top wild card team in the AFC. <laughs> okay.
0: I got to ask you about the off field stuff because uh, Aaron Rodgers has had, God, I don't want to call it a charmed existence, but he's had a very comfortable existence in green Bay because in part the market, right? Like I think yes. that fan base is so loyal and so dedicated that they're willing to overlook an awful lot of, From their starting quarterback, as long as the starting quarterback can deliver. And, I mean, look, they've had two Hall of Fame guys in a row, in Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, both of whom have um, colorful situations off the field. But now, you know, we all remember how it went for Favre in New York, and that it started kind of optimistically and then ended on a sour note. I don't think the two are comparable in that sense, but given where Rodgers is at currently in terms of his views, the way he goes about dealing with media, is he – Does he really understand what he's getting into here going to New York,
2: basically? No, he doesn't because he's an egomaniac. Uh, And those of us who understand it, understand it. Um, And we saw an example of it last year with Russell Wilson. When you're in the local market there in Seattle and uh, you might want to publish something about Russell Wilson being a weirdo, You don't do it because you have your sources that you have to protect. You have the organization that's going to look at you as kind of side-eyed if you do it. And, like, some of these guys won't come out and say how weird things are with Russell Wilson in Seattle. Russell Wilson goes to Denver. And the Denver guys are getting sources that don 't have any loyalty to Russell Wilson, and you start hearing things like, "Oh, you know what he 's calling plays from his last team uh, as audibles and stuff like that and all of this stuff comes out very quickly because you change places and you don 't have that cultivated relationship that 's exactly what 's going to happen with the with New York, except that it 's New York, except that there's a dozen newspapers and fifty different outlets and 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 like everything that you say and do is broadcast across multiple. Radio stations and etc. So this is going to be a this is going to be a poop show. It's going to be a poop show, and Aaron Rodgers is going to claim to be above it, and he's going to act like he's above it. But what is going to impact is every wide receiver, every offensive lineman, everybody who gets the splatter damage of reporters going up and hounding them. Hey, Aaron said this. What do you think of that? Aaron said this. What do you think of that? that's where it starts to weigh down on the teammates and it starts to weigh down on the team and becomes the dreaded capital D distraction that, uh, you know, if, you, if you're not winning, if you're not 10-0 and 0 when this kind of thing happens, beware because it's beaten the Jets up in the past, it's beaten up other teams in, on the East Coast in the past, and it can happen to Aaron Rodgers and the Jets this year.
0: Mike, this was great, man. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. I'd say we won't talk again for a long time, but let's do this again before the draft.
2: Uh, absolutely. I'll probably be talking to you again next Monday. But ha- happy tampering, everyone.
0: Happy tampering. Thanks, Mike. That's Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You and I just had a moment there when Mike was talking about Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson mm-hmm. where we both realized that the amount of stories that are going to come out <laughs> once he leaves Green Bay – it's going to you know. There was a bunch of stories this year about well, this is what really happened with Russ and the Seahawks. Right? Yeah, Russ tried to get Tretty Schneider fired. and Carroll fired. Uh, Russ had his own office. There was all this lack of harmony. Over Russ, last Russ
1: year. slept uh, upside down with his uh, legs hanging from the ceiling. See Did that you know might
0: that? that might be true. That might not. I lost track. There's so mm-hmm. many stories that came out. I mean, Brady Henderson had that great story about all the things that happened because my Tannier brought up a really great point whether it's fair or not, or whether it's right or wrong, or whether you think journalism has any integrity or doesn't folks are going to put stuff out there and keep stuff to themselves.
1: If it benefits their employment status, there's always good stories when big egos are involved. Always. So
0: so if you're working the Packers beat, you're like, I might not put out this very salacious story while Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback of the team. Mm -hmm. Guess when a good time to put that
1: salacious story is out when he joins the New York jets. I can't, I can't get, a f- can't get a read on Aaron Rodgers. W- when I when I see him talk, sometimes I'm like, you know, what? this is actually kind of like a thoughtful guy, and you know, he was the host of Jeopardy, and like he, he seems like a guy that's interested in the world. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with all his views, but that's fine. Um, I also sense this like this hint of sadness in him. Do you know, like, there's there's a sadness in Aaron Rodgers. Like he's he's really searching. He's one of those guys that's searching for the answer. And we can make fun of things like going and doing the darkness retreat or or whatever he does. And and there's nothing wrong with searching for answers. But he just seems like – do you get the sense too? Like he seems like unsatisfied with his life. I get the sense that he figured out football
0: and he figured out that he's really good at football. And Mm -hmm. then he's like, but now what?
1: Is that it, life?
0: Well, I mean, and and to be fair, he's had a – a much longer, just in terms of tenure and longevity, a lot longer than some people. There's some people that have to retire before the age of 30. Mm-hmm. And then they can't do the thing that they knew, and really the only thing they knew if they're going to the NFL. You sure. don't have a lot of, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some NFL guys like uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif who went to med school. Sure. yeah, Right, at a totally second career. That's a bit of an anomaly. I'd say 99% of the guys in the NFL are like, what do you do? Football. Then what? More football. I
1: was at Chapters the other day, and he's written a book. Right. And I and it went by, I was like, oh, you've also got time to write a book.
0: Yeah, so there's certain God, indiv- I hate
1: you. Certain individuals that do a lot. <laughs> and then
0: there's not. And then, you know, J.J. Watt, I remember, he's another guy that I, I, I enjoy listening to. Mm-hmm. If maybe sometimes I kind of find him a bit over the top. Yeah, a bit much. But, but overall, I don't know. He had a really great spiel. I think it was during one of those terrible end of seasons with the Texans where he was talking about his NFL career. And he's mm-hmm. like, look, I made the conscious decision to put everything else on hold in my life while I had the physical ability to play football. So Mm -hmm. like he didn't entertain hobbies or interests or anything because he knew that his football career was going to be a finite amount of time before basically his body broke down. Yeah. Right. And it did. But he said, if you uh, approach it that way, uh, you better be ready for what's on the other side mm-hmm. because when football stops and that's all you've ever done.
1: <laughs> like, I don't know about anything. What do
0: I do? I mean, <laughs> someone used to tell me what to eat and someone used to tell me when to wake up and someone used to tell me when to stretch and get ready.
1: Yeah, he's right? like, when do we wake up? I don't yeah. even know how to tell time. Yeah,
0: so we had a calendar and a clock. That's told me what day and time it was. I never knew that stuff on my own, but that's the reality of life. So to getting back to Rodgers – um, I think he's a guy that is probably looking into the horizon, the abyss, if you will, and be mm-hmm. like, what am I going to be? And really took that question seriously. Some guys will just be like, eh, I'll sell insurance. Podcast or I'll, host. Yeah, I'll, host, <laughs> I'll get a podcast, yeah. right? And they'll just kind of, they'll wing it. And then they'll, you know, and then mm-hmm. w- with a lot of guys, I think there's
1: a, a real. Well, the guys that have made a lot of money, they they, they don't have that urgency to go and, find a new career that pays them well
0: and some guys don't th- i mean i think the problem is, is i do think genuinely uh rogers th- thinks deeply about things
1: and yeah i think I, he's a thinker
0: yeah and i think that's yeah. what that's probably mm-hmm. to his benefit and detriment because a lot of other guys are like hey i played in a long a long time in the nfl i made a lot of money now i can go do cool stuff for the mm-hmm. rest of my life and i don't have to worry about money yeah and I, like golf, and and I like golf and i like
1: golf and Nice courses, yeah.
0: And the old team brings me back for charity events. I like those, right? Mm. They, 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 are gonna maybe retire my number. That's pretty cool, and that's it. You don't have to worry. Uh, Rogers definitely. And again, we're projecting on a guy that we've never met and never will, (laughs) (laughs) right? But we might book him on our show. You never know. Well, maybe if he maybe if he comes and does the JCC dinner, like we could get him in. True, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I mean, that's the caliber of Mm guests. By the way, Gronk's doing it this year. In case you haven't heard it, but um, he's a fascinating character. I am really interested to see what it'll look like
1: outside of Green Bay, because mm-hmm. there are you know certain guys. He's protected you... in a way in Green Bay because it's such a small market. I, I know the Packers get a lot of attention and he gets a lot of attention, but he's gonna. It's it's easier to shield someone in Green Bay, Wisconsin than it is in New York, New York. I mean, it's it's really really interesting that we're
0: gonna see uh, in consecutive off seasons Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers change teams. It's it's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's that's a land uh, landscape change in a major way. Now, it could be in a negative way if Rogers plays the same way Russell Wilson did in Denver in that first year, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because remember, when Denver made that trade, they shot way up in terms of Super Bowl odds. They wasted no time signing Russ to that gargantuan extension. Like, they weren't just talking about being a playoff team. They were talking about being a Super Bowl contender in Denver. And,
1: and they were talking similar to how the Jets are talking right now. Yeah. If if only we had a quarterback. Yep. If we, we, we've got all this other stuff. We've got some great weapons on both sides of the ball. We just need that elite quarterback. Didn't work out for Denver. We'll see if it works out for the Jets. If indeed Aaron Rodgers is traded to that team. Uh, more Canucks talk coming up. Lots more Canucks talk coming up because IMAC's going to join us at 8 o'clock. So about half an hour from now, we'll talk to IMAC. But uh, in the next segment, we will dip into the Dunbar Lumber text line. So if you got any questions or comments about anything in sports, specifically the Canucks, uh, text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Will today be the day that the Canucks sign Aiden McDonough? Or will this week be the week that they sign Aiden McDonough? And who is Aiden McDonough? And what could he mean for the Canucks going forward? You're listening to the Halford Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
2: The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: There's a turnover, two on one for the Canucks. Miller, and Ruffer, oh back to Miller. He scores!
1: Yeah, I thought he was a monster tonight. He's, he's been playing really well. Uh, JT's, you know, he's been great. His 2A game has been, you know, I, I've been putting him against the top line most nights, and he's in his production. So he's been great.
0: JT Monster? Huh? Eh? Huh? Eh, maybe. Maybe. Hmm? Just workshopping some stuff here on the Halford and Bruff Show.
1: Keep workshopping. <laughs>
0: You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff. The morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. I know we're going to talk about Aiden McDonough here, but I get distracted easily. So, in my uh, in basket, I'm very excited because the official March Madness pool that you and I have been in for it feels like two decades, honestly. Yep. um, It came around because March Madness is now just days away selection Sunday yesterday you get those meaningless play-in games over the next couple days and then Thursday the tournament starts so that's always cool um we need to find a guest one to come on and talk about this yeah Uh, what's
1: going on basketball wise yeah so I thought Alabama was a football school I don't think they've never they've never been to the final four
0: yeah, I think you're correct. Yeah. Uh, they've had a very tumultuous season yes, they involving have. one of their star players. So there's that narrative that we're going to get into. Also, a uh, good can con Canadian content. Mm-hmm. Zach Eadie, who is approximately 11 feet tall. <laughs> he plays for the Purdue Boilermakers. He's the consensus player of the year. Purdue is one of the number one seeds going into this tournament. I also want to add, and this is the classic example of how people sometimes get their nicknames. So in this pool, the guy that runs it calls me Waldo. Right. Because once. Once. Once I wore a red and white striped shirt in front of him. Yeah. Once. And I think it was probably in, like, 2006. <laughs> and to this day, he's like, what's up, Waldo. Like, and I we had a buddy of ours. And uh, one time in the 10th grade, we were on the basketball team, and he wasn't feeling well, and we were at the end of the bench, so he wasn't playing anyway. Mm-hmm. So he looked at me. He's like, can you just tell the coach, like, I'm not going to be able to make it. I don't feel great. And he said, "And uh, you know, like my my lips are really chapped because he was he was he was sick and he was dehydrated." So the coach was like, "I won't say the guy's name." All that. The coach asked me, "He's like, where's so and so?" And as loud as I could, I'm like, "Oh, he couldn't make it. He has chapped lips." That guy's nickname was Chapped Lips until he graduated. You could not say his name in the hallways without someone being like. Chap
2: old Chappie. Old,
1: yeah, old Yeah, old Chappie just should have been it so right? if you
0: want to yeah if you want to understand how the dude my the bro mind works the dude mind works that's how you end up with nicknames well you call me laddie this is the only place i get called laddie and that's never gonna leave you a dog is the same way right it's just never gonna leave you that's just how it works
1: those are the rules they are unflinching So here's the week for the Vancouver Canucks, who have won four straight games. They're currently on a six-game homestand. They've won four of those five, four in a row. They lost the first one to Minnesota. They've since beaten Toronto, Nashville, Anaheim, and Ottawa. They finish off that six-game homestand tomorrow night, Tuesday, against the Dallas Stars. Then they head down to Mullet Arena in Arizona. To play the Coyotes on Thursday. Then they do the uh, LA Anaheim back to back double on Saturday and Sunday. So, some winnable games in the next few games as well for the Canucks. Um, you remember a few days ago when we started the show with news that Guillaume Briesbois had signed a contract extension, and that was the most Vancouver sports media way to start. A sports radio show. I almost hit
0: the breaking news button. Almost.
1: <laughs> well, the Vancouver Canucks uh, re-signed uh, Phil DiGiuseppe on Sunday. The Canucks locking up another dependable depth piece. And I think y- you would say the same about Breezeball. He's a guy that's been in the organization a while. DiGiuseppe hasn't. But Breezeball's is a guy that I think has been called up from the AHL a few times this season. I think he's looked pretty good. He's looked, like, uh, he's looked like an AHL player that can play the odd shift in the NHL, right? Maybe even a bit better than that. And he's the longest-tenured player on the team. I've actually quite liked Phil DiGiuseppe's game since he joined the organization, and I think he should have been with the team for more games than he's actually played. Uh, he got a two-year deal. Dollywell reported that it's one way in both years, so the Canucks are investing something in uh, Phil DiGiuseppe there. Um, Guillaume Brisebois, for example, if you want to contrast it, he signed a two-year deal, but the first year was a two-way deal. So mm-hmm. he was making half as much in the minors and the second year was a, uh, was a one-way deal. Um, Di Giuseppe is also one of these guys that you can tell that Rick Tocket is trying to turn into a penalty killer, yes. right? Like, and he's been out there. Um, has he been great? He's been fine. And the Canucks penalty kill has improved. So maybe he's one of those guys that Rick Tockett is looking and going like, look, I got to find penalty killers. Um, And this is going to be an organizational challenge to help improve the PK. The PK has looked a lot better, Mm -hmm. but the PK has looked better with two players, JT Miller and Elias Pettersson, who are real top line players. And, Rick Tockett, when he first took the job, was like, "I don't know if I want to play Pedersen on the PK. I don't know if I want to play JT on the PK because those guys play a bunch of in, a bunch in other situations, power play time, but also five on five. Mm-hmm. And if I have these guys out on the PK, they're going to tire them down, and I want them, I want them fresh to play at evens and, and on the power play. But I think what he's learned since he got into Vancouver is, ah, uh, they don't have many good penalty killers, and his best options are to have. Pedersen, and Miller. So we'll see what the unit looks like next year. Who's Do they go out and find some more penalty killers in free agency or the trade market? Let's park that conversation for now okay. and bring it to Aiden McDonough, who is at Northeastern. Well, he's just finished his hockey career at Northeastern after four years there. Now, the Canucks tried to sign McDonough in the last offseason. And, in fact, they quite they, they pushed quite hard to sign this kid because we all know if you go back for a fourth year in college, mm-hmm. then you can become an unrestricted free agent in August after you finish that season. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it goes. And we've been through this dance before. Uh, most of the time, for the most part, the Canucks have managed to keep these guys. They've either convinced them to leave school early Or even after they've uh, finished and been able to go unrestricted, they still sign with the Vancouver Canucks. And it sounds like McDonough will do that with the Canucks. Multiple reports that he intends to sign with the Canucks. There hasn't been a press release on the situation yet, but multiple reports that McDonough is expected to sign with the Canucks. Um, Again, the Canucks pushed really hard to sign this kid in the offseason. And there was chatter. Some chatter, some gossip. Chatter. There was gossip behind the scenes that McDonough was frankly a little put off by it. Like, and and, and Drantz, um, in his report along with Dollywan, the Athletic, said that Patrick Alvin made like kind of a last minute phone call to McDonough, questioning his decision and really pushing him to sign, right. because maybe the Canucks felt two things. Number one, I really want this kid in the organization now because we want to start working with him. We want to start developing him. Um, you know, he's already played three years of college. He's proven that he's a good player at the college level. Yep. Now he needs to take that next step. The other one being, if we don't sign this kid, we might lose him. Yeah, and we don't want to do that. Now, Durant's reported in his athletic article that in early Jan, in early January, Alvin flew to Boston. He watched Northeastern play, and they played that outdoor game at Fenway because right. they had some college games there when the Winter Classic was there. And they had uh, a dinner afterwards with his family and his, and his advisor, who a.k.a. his agent. Um, and Durant said that that dinner was a key turning point. And Alvine mapped out the organization's plans for McDonough, and apparently McDonough and his parents came away pretty impressed with what Alvine had to say. So if McDonough does indeed sign with the Canucks, either today they announce it or later in the week, I think you have to credit Patrick Alvin for getting this job done, convincing McDonough, who had options, to maintain his relationship with the Vancouver Canucks. Now we just have to find out, is this kid a player?
0: Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to because, I don't I mean, I'm not – I don't think it's fair, but I'm going to bring it up. Like and A lot of Canucks fans are inevitably going to look at – or maybe even dangerously compare him to Adam Gaudet just because of where they came from, right? Late round picks, went to Northeastern, turned themselves into pretty good players at the collegiate level. Gaudet to the point where he was in that Hobie Baker whole thing. And now you look at it and Goddett never really panned out at the NHL level. Which I think dovetails into a very important conversation about prospect management. Prospect development, and maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily rushing guys to the National Hockey League level, because it was Ryan Johnson, or is it C- Trent Cole? It was Trent Cole. Trent Cole that we talked to, and he essentially said, in his estimation, the Canucks moved Godet to the NHL too quickly and didn't give him enough time to hone his game and learn his game at the American League level. And you could argue they did the same with McCann and Vertanen. Now, what the interesting thing here is, is Alvin, Clancy, and Rutherford all come from a Pittsburgh organization that spent a lot of time seasoning and marinating, just like chefs, seasoning and marinating prospects in the American Hockey League with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. That was part of the recipe for the Penguins. They were able to, and if you want to talk specifically to McDonough, they were able to bring in guys that they drafted and stashed for years. Sam Lafferty, Jake Gensel, Teddy Bluger, what did they all have in common? They got drafted in later rounds. They ended up sitting – well, Bluger got drafted in the second round. But mm-hmm. they went, and then they spent a few years playing in college, and then they spent a few years playing in the American League. Right? You know? It's there was a, no rush. There was no rush. So with McDonough, yeah, you could throw him in a couple games this year in a little dangling carrot maybe. Who cares? Point being is you get him into – he goes from one program to another. Mm-hmm. He goes from Northeastern – which is the collegiate program to your program, which includes a stint in the American League, where you learn under Jeremy Colton, and he teaches you the things to be ready for the NHL level. That's kind of how. This and then thing-
1: he keeps teaching them. Yeah, like that's it. Teach it over and over again, repeat, and repeat. have some alignment between the AHL team and the NHL team. Now, someone texted into the Dunbar Lumber text line: If they sign McDonough, please do not play him in a game and waste a year of his ELC. But you just know they will, and you know what would happen if they didn't? You wouldn't sign with them. It's
0: part of the game, man. It's, it's all just, in the game. It's what you got to
1: do. Okay. I, th- I think we'll probably see Aiden McDonough in in the lineup, mm-hmm. and this is just how these things go. McDonough has leverage in any negotiations that he has with the Canucks because he can go, okay, well, I'll just wait till the summer then. <laughs> then I'll go to another team, and you're not going to look very good. It's what you got to do, right? It,
0: it happens all the time. You just you accept it and acknowledge it. You you're burning them. So for a couple games. That's I think it.
1: I think you made a great point about um the development of Canucks players in the organization. Abbotsford needs to be successful if the Canucks are going to be successful. That's true of pretty much any team in the NHL. And development is something that Rutherford and Alvin are gonna hang their hats on, given as you mentioned, their success in Pittsburgh with Wilkes barre There are suddenly quite a few interesting players to watch down in Abbotsford. Yes. And I think we can expect more of them going forward. The Canucks might be signing some NCAA free agents in the next little while. Um, Maybe there's going to be some guys um, that are already in their organization that are playing in Europe right now that will come to North America next season. But some of the names that we hadn't really given much thought to, like Linus Carlson, you want to see him in a game this season? So do I. I think in the few moments that I saw him in the preseason, I was like, "Eh, there might be something there. And look at the season he's had down in the AHL. He's got 43 points in 60 games. Pretty good. Arsteep Baines, I want to see him. Klimovich, right? I don't want to see him quite yet, but I want to see how he's developed. You know, Atu Ratu and Aidan McDonough, I think there's some similarities there in that both those guys need to work on their skating. So will the Canucks be able to bring in the right people to work with those guys to improve their foot speed. You don't need to turn them into burners, but you need to turn them into the players that won't be exposed for a lack of foot speed in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I would say, especially Ratu, cause he's a center and you need to skate a lot when you're a center. Yeah. But McDonough that, if, if you want to know the knock on Aiden McDonough, maybe why he was a seventh round draft pick, maybe why he decided to stay four years in college, um, what he needs to work on. It's going to be his foot speed. But all of a sudden, you're looking at this Abbotsford lineup and going, there's some youth down there. It isn't just, like, the veterans that are leading the way down there, veterans that you're kind of like, well, good for Abbotsford, and I guess the fans that go out to watch the Abbotsford Canucks because they're helping them win, but really, you know, how much is Justin Dowling going to help the Canucks in the next few years? Noted AHL assassin
0: Justin Dowling. Phil Giuseppe is the same thing, right? Like, it's cool if he's piling up points for your American League team, but he's not part of the future.
1: Uh, Gurjeet texts in, guy says, the ship sailed on Rathbone becoming an NHL contributor. Haven't heard a word about him in a while. Oh, that's because you haven't been listening to our show, I guess, Gurjeet. We talked about him last week. We yeah, actually, but- we actually, I threw a question out there. Do you think Rathbone's going to be with the Canucks next season? And I pretty much said no. Halford still thinks he will be. Um, I don't think he's seen as a good fit in the Canucks organization because I think he's seen as a not good enough version of Quinn Hughes, who his bottom line offensively hasn't been enough when he's been in the NHL and the Canucks need more shutdown defenders and Jack Rathbone doesn't fit that bill. So I think he's a trade chip in the off season. I don't know what its value is, but I, I, I could see that. And I could also see Jack Rathbone going, you know, I need to change a Uh
0: Gurge. I call you you feel like we're friends now. He texted into the show. Um, it's a good question to ask though, because um, I don't, I don't think that Ra- the start of Rathbone's pro career
1: was handled especially well. Some of it was circumstance. Like yeah. he reminds me a lot of Di Pietro, in that he just hasn't had enough games overall. He didn't even play that many games at Harvard. Then the pandemic no. hit. And it was just it was a it was a bad situation for his development because what do you need in the AHL? Yeah, you need good coaching. You you need good mentors. You need the opportunity. Most of the time, you just need reps. You just got to go out there and do it.
0: Well, he was definitely not the right guy to throw into some of these situations, including the one for the Canucks at the start of this season, where the expectations were so high, i.e., playoffs or bust. Uh, the structure was so bad and the blue line was so weak that people were counting on him to be like Quinn Hughes. Remember that? Well we he was the he, he, Quinn Hughes like he,
1: he was the guy down in the HL. He was their number one offensive defenseman, but this year in the AH, in the AHL it's been Christian Wolanin, yeah. who we've seen in the NHL. Look at these numbers. Wolanin, 55 points in 49 games. Rathbone just 12 points in 29 games last season. Rathbone was a point of game player with the Absford Canucks and a lot of that is opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if Rathbone is probably reading the tea leaves, he's like, uh, this organization does not want does not like care about my development right now cuz they don't see me in their plans.
0: Yeah, I mean, it hasn't it's been tough, right? I'm just saying like it's very nuanced, but to answer Gurjeet Gurj, my good friend, uh, his question, uh, I would
1: not so have you changed your mind then? Do you think Rathbone's have I, have I convinced you that Rathbone's probably going to be in another organization next season? I think
0: I think the, the wager that we made was a trade. Like, would he be somewhere else? Right?
1: Would he, would he be in a yeah. different organization next season? I think pro- I said probably yes, and you said the, probably. I said probably no because no.
0: I'm just not sure that there's a lot of. I don't think there's a lot of people enamored with him. Period. Right now, like, it's a very. I mean, he's not. I think you could. I think you could sell another organization on giving him a chance. He's 24 in May. Mm-hmm. That's so what there's going to be a lot of people that are like, Where's the ceiling here? I think you'll get another chance somewhere else. But I also think that if you're the Canucks, you're like, Well, we could also see if it works out here. Like, there's nothing, no harm, no foul him playing American League games. I just don't know what
1: if doing. the relationship is still good. It needs you to bring be good the, between player and organization. For example, I would contrast Rathbone's situation greatly with Hoaglander's situation. And some people were having them in the same boat, like, they came up to the NHL. they both had some flashes and people generally were optimistic about their chances. And now they're down in the HL. Hoaglander is getting a big time opportunity down in the HL. They're trying to turn this kid into a player. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they have the same focus with Rathbone. That's all I'm saying.
0: Um, Before we go to break, I wanted to just mention really quickly the Philadelphia Flyers, and it does have kind of a Canuckian tie in here. Uh, So Sunday, uh, interim general manager Danny Breer met with the media for the first time after Chuck Fletcher had been fired, and they started what seems like it's going to be a major overhaul in Philadelphia. Um, Briere said, and he acknowledged that he's not getting the full-time gig. It's interim for a reason. They're going to conduct interviews for a new president of Hockey Ops and a general manager, so they're going to go to that model. And Briere framed it as being like his on-the-job interview. Like, he's going to interview for this job while working in the job. So that's fine. Um, If you're talking about a team that's going to undergo a pretty seismic change and because the organization is at a crisis point, I feel like Philadelphia might be the one in the NHL this offseason. Like, I feel like this is a team that could really go any particular direction. And by any particular direction, I mean go all the way to the bottom and restart it from scratch. Um, they just look like a, an organization that is going through a real crisis moment. With do you think they'll keep Carter Hart? I don't know. I think any, that's why I brought this up. I think everything is on the table for yeah. Philadelphia.
1: If so, if you're talking about a connect, like he's team... the only is is he the only guy? I don't know that organization well enough, including their prospects. Um, you know, in Vancouver, we've got the untouchables, if you want to call them that, in Peterson and Hughes. Demko's name is thrown out there, but like, do. Do the Flyers have any untouchables? I don't think so.
0: That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah.
1: Is if you're the if you're a fan
0: of this team, the Vancouver Canucks, and you know what next season means and you know what they have to do to get there, they're going to have to go shopping in the off season. They're going to have to pluck from teams that are ready to sell,
1: mm-hmm. and I just just keep an eye on Philadelphia. That's all I'm saying. Are they is, could they be kind of like Chicago? was heading into this season, you know, they unloaded a lot of guys. Uh, they made the Kirby Dock trade with Montreal, they made the Debrink trade with uh, with with Ottawa, and all these kind of youngish guys were still traded because they were like, yeah, they're young, but we just we don't see them as being part of the next great Chicago teams.
0: Like for example, on that note, uh Joel Faraby, who's the former first round pick, he signed, he's only 23 years old. He signed long term there. Uh, he's already kind of run afoul of Tortorella, right? Farby's had a tough year. He's been hurt. Uh, Torts has either scratched him or plummeted his ice time. And then I guess the agent came out and said something, and then Torts responded like, Farabee and the agent should shut up. So that's a good situation. Clearly that's going well. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of guys that, when you're talking about finding players that are in that 23, 24, 25 age or you want to match up, with um, with Hughes and Patterson and Demko, those look that's the exact kind of profile of a player. that I'm not necessarily saying Alvin and Rutherford are going to go make a trade for Joel Farabee. Don't get me wrong, but that's the kind of player. That's the kind of thing that shakes loose is it's young guys mm-hmm. on teams that are floundering and you come and, and honestly, you're like a you're picking at the carcass. You're saying, what can what can I get off because it's. Not what can I get off? What can I get off the carcass? <laughs> yeah. Okay? because Okay, talk it. Yeah, what you're saying is, essentially, we need guys now. We don't have the opportunity or the patience or the time to wait. What's going to be available to us this offseason? What's going to be available to us right now this summer? And that might be one of the teams.
1: IMAC is going to join us next. So the Canucks talk will continue on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.